0: Well, good morning. good morning. Good morning. Ah, what a wonderful group. Looks like 200. <laughs> I, I said that one time, someone took me serious and they said, oh, we had 200. I said, no, I was just exaggerating, alright? I'm still counting, i will like to you know. Alright, do that. Every sheep counts, alright. Boy, it is a great group. and. Uh, I don't know if I can teach or not. Brenda and Linda are out of place over here, so they—they <laughs> uh, they went rogue. All right, they're loose over there. Yeah. Just stand right there. For both of y'all, next Friday is a class party. Will be some of the best entertainment the to All right. I cannot wait to hear all the karaoke. <laughs> Kathy, you lost some weight. You lost some weight. Your apparatus, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, killed two birds, one stone, all right. What a what a great day. We're looking at 1 Peter today. And so there in your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1 and also chapter 2 today. And um, we're going to look at the subject, Christian glue. The glue that holds us together. I was trying to think about different types of glue. Uh, there's Elmer's. There's... Um, super glue and I heard a commercial for something called gorilla glue that's the thing sticks like a gorilla I don't know what that means but uh, gorilla glue I do um, have a glue story actually comes from my wife and she always gets nervous when I tell these stories but) <laughs> Pam has a sister that is a uh, year younger than she is, and then she has two younger brothers. And back years ago when one of her brothers was maybe in middle school, he got a little chatty. And uh, his name is Bobby. And Bobby started talking and talking and talking, and so uh, Pam and Judy had all they could take. And they finally said, if you don't stop talking we're going to glue your lips shut. And Bobby kept on talking. So Judy held him down and Pam got the super glue and glued his lips shut. Pam says I got it reversed, but I got the story from Judy, alright? Judy said Pam was the one with the glue. But anyway, they glued his lips shut with super glue. And you know what? He shut up. I mean, he was glued tight. But here's the exciting part. When they had to rip his lips apart. (laughs) Did you do that Pam? Okay, you ripped them apart. That's encouraging. I will sleep better tonight knowing that, okay? Y'all pray for me. You know, the people of God, there are two ways that we can be glued together. We can be melted together, or we can be frozen together. Now, if those are my two options, I'd rather be melted than frozen because sometimes it's kind of chilly in some churches. And the reason why is because there is no warmth of fellowship. They are a people of God frozen together, not melted together. And so Simon Peter talks here in chapter 1 verse 22 and going through chapter 2 verse 10 about the people of God being glued together. Now, why would Peter write on such a subject? Well, the reason why is because of verse number 1 in chapter 1. Remember, Peter writes this letter in chapter 1, verse 1, to those who reside as aliens, and they are scattered, dispersed. They are scattered abroad. So, Peter is saying... You may be in Bithynia, Asia, Pontus, Cappadocia. You may be scattered throughout the world, but there is something that binds us together. Though you are separate, you are one body in Christ. And that is such an encouraging message. And so, let me just read verse 22 as we begin in chapter 1. Dr. Estep last Sunday uh, hit on this verse and it says, "...since you have in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart." So, it's a new paragraph here in chapter 1. Peter is saying, "...because of..." And that word, since you... Therefore, you might find that word there. Therefore. And Peter is really saying, because you've been sprinkled with the precious blood of Christ, because you've got a living hope, you've got a living Savior because of that, therefore, you are to love one another from the heart. Now, The word sincere that you find there in verse 22. Dr. E dealt with that just a little bit last Sunday, but let me just pluck that word out and talk about it. In the first century, there were some crooked and dishonest merchants. Now I know we don't have that problem today, but there were crooked, dishonest people trying to sell something that really was just a pile of garbage. And what happened is that they would have a clay pot that had cracks in it. So they would take some wax and fill in all those cracks and just kind of paint over it. And they would sell that like there was nothing wrong with it. Well, the smart people would pick up that pottery and they would hold it up to the sun. And this phrase sincere that you find in verse 22 comes from two words, sin which means without wax. And so you would hold it up to the sun. Guess what the sun would do? It would melt the wax. And so then you could see all the cracks in the pottery. And so Peter is saying, you ought to have a love that is without wax. A love that is without pretense. A love that is not phony or fake. It's amazing how that we try to sometimes fake our love. But you know what? If it's from the heart, you know it. You know it. That's what Peter's saying. He's saying we ought to fervently love one another from the heart. When someone really, really cares about you, you just know it. So, not only does Peter say we have a living hope, we have a living holiness, but there ought to be a living harmony in our lives. And you know as well as I do, churches sometimes give the Lord a black eye because of the fussing, the squabbling, and the fighting that goes on. And it's usually over. What color is the carpet going to be? What color is the drapes going to be? It's never about big theological issues. I had a friend of mine that was pastor in Shawnee, Oklahoma. His name was Jimmy Don. I said, Jimmy Don, how's your church doing? He said, well, not too good. I said, what's going on? He said, well, we had a church fight. I said, well, which side won? He said, I don't know, but I know who lost. I said, who is that? And he said, God did. God did. I always thought about that phrase. You know, whenever the church has conflict and divides, you always have God as the loser. Maybe it's not true in South Carolina, but I know it's true in Oklahoma that you've got sometimes a First Baptist Church, and then you've got a Second Baptist Church, and then you got a Trinity Baptist Church, and then you got a Harmony Baptist Church, and then you got a Calvary Baptist Church, and they're all in the same town. How do all those churches get started? Well, a pocket of people got upset and went and started another church. Can you imagine having a church fight and going out and starting Harmony Baptist Church? <laughs> That doesn't make a lick of sense, does it? (coughs) Peter says there are four challenges that really picture us being glued together. And so uh, let me run through these. Number one, we are glued together because we are children in the same family. Now, you might get upset with your family members. I have a sister that I have to call and straighten out every once in a while. Get loose. But you're stuck with your family, aren't you? I mean, they're yours. Can't can't disown them. You're stuck with them. Now, notice this. In verse 22, we read, let's read 23 and 24 and 25. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word of which was preached to you." Now Peter there says that we have experienced a similar birth. Notice that Peter says we have been born again. Uh, Verse 23 says we've been born again by the living and enduring Word of God. I like the old Gospel song I quote it so often. God leads His dear children along. Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Oh, I love that old Gospel hymn. Because it reminds us that it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, if you got saved, we all had a similar born-again birth in our life. Well, also we have... The same love. Look at verse 22 again. Back in verse 22. Two words for love here. Sincere love. That word for love there is the word Philadelphia. It's a brotherly kind of love. And then the last word that you find there for love, where it says fervently love, that word is agape love. And so, we may love someone like a family member, but sincere love ought to move forward to fervent love, which means a God kind of love. See, I love old Bascom down here. Anyhow, I love him warts and all. I love his suspenders. I love his shoes. I love Bascom down here. I love Gertrude over here We. We love one another just because they're part of God's family. And you know, you can sure tell when a church is filled with love. Now this is a large Sunday school class that would be the size of a church in most churches. And when you come in this class, there's a joy, there's an enthusiasm, there's a love that's here And it's a God kind of love. So, children of the same family, same birth, we have the same love, and we have the same nourishment that you find in chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. So move on to chapter 2. Let me read verses 1 through 3. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, and envy and all slander. Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Have you ever seen a baby get thirsty for the bottle? Had an interesting thing. We have one daughter in... Kendra, I remember when she was real young. She, uh, you know, she did not want to give up the bottle. She loved and looked forward to that bottle. And uh, Kendra has always been real, real stubborn. I, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> and you're right, she got it from her mother. all right. <laughs> There. Well, I am. I am. Pam's going to Walmart to buy some super glue tonight. Now, when we tried to take that bottle away, she would, I mean, throw a, I would call it a conniption fit. I mean, she'd rattle those, I call them bars, on her baby bed. She'd jump up and down. Face would get red. We gave her something called a Tommy Tippy, a little tippy cup, you know. We'd give that to her, and that sweet little baby would take that thing and go, wham! So. We finally had an adult conversation with that toddler. <laughs> and the adult conversation went like this. Uh, "Kinder, we know you want the bottle, but i got news for you. I don't care how long it takes. Uh, I'm going to win this battle, and I'm going to win this fight, and you're going to fall in love with Tommy Tippy. <laughs> and when she got thirsty enough, she grabbed the Tommy Tippy. Now, I went a long way to get to this point, but here it is. Sometimes the people of God have been feeding and nourishing on the wrong things and they have no appetite for the living Word of God. And if you drink the Kool-Aid of the world, you're not going to want the pure milk of the Word of God. And so, we need to have this nourishment. In fact, verse 3 says, if you tasted the kindness of the Lord, you ought to be thirsty for more. Man, I want to tell you, God is so good. God's so wonderful. His blessings are so rich. Man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in my life. This is tasting the kindness of the Lord. Alright, so the glue that holds us together. We are members of the same family. Alright, we've got to move on. Number two. Christian glue also is built upon the fact that we are stones in the same building. Stones in the same building. There is only one Savior and one spiritual church. Now, In the New Testament, there are two different words for church. Uh, One is that word koinonia, which means the spiritual fellowship. Those who are saved, and they may be in a Baptist church. They may be in a Methodist church. Uh, they, They may be around the world somewhere in a church meeting in a little apartment, but they're part of the family of God. Spiritual church. And Then there's the word ekklesia, which means those who are called out to belong to a particular church in a particular place. I get in trouble with this, but I think I'm on good ground. I told someone, I said, don't you dare join a church until God calls you to join that church. And here's the reason why. God calls preachers to churches. But God calls members to churches. And if God hadn't called you here, you ain't going to be happy. And if God hadn't called you here, you're going to make others miserable. So find the spot where God's called you I had a couple last year, dear sweet couple, came to me and said, Pastor Richard, God's leading us somewhere else. I didn't say, oh no, don't go. I said, if God leads, you must follow. You must follow. I think one of the hardest things in the world is to leave a church and to go to another church. But you know when you do that, you're not losing friends. You're just enlarging your circle. It is true. Some of you here in this room have been members here a long, long time. Others a short time. But all of you have been called to this spiritual fellowship. And the ecclesia, God has called you out to be a part of this church. Now, verse 4 says that Christ is a living stone. Let me read verse 4. "...and coming to Him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God." What a description of Jesus. He is a living stone. Now why would Peter use that phrase? I'll tell you why. Because his Lord was a dead body for three days. But now, Peter says, He is a living stone. You know, whatever the Lord touches comes to life. When they needed bread, the living stone had living bread that came to life. When they needed living water, Jesus told the woman at the well, you may drink from other water, but I can give you living water. Also we find that when the Lord touches a dead, no good sinner, He becomes a living child of God. And that brings us to the next verse. Verse number 5. You also as living stones. Peter says, we have the living stone, but we also are chips off that stone. Now, talking about the Lord, verse number 4 says that He is a choice stone. In other words, chosen by God to be the Savior. Verse 7 and 8. Let me, let me move down to verse 7 and 8. Let me read that. This precious value then is for you who believe but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. Have you ever gone out to a place and noticed the rocks that were there? Pam and I recently went to Bar Harbor, Maine and they have some large, huge rocks there. And of course I asked, how did all these rocks get here? Of course the answer is, you know, God put them there, but you know, they, scientists, have other answers. But have you ever tripped over a rock? And when you tripped over the rock, maybe you didn't have shoes on and you, I call it, stubbed your big toe. Then you said something like, verily, verily. (laughs) You know what that was? That was a rock of offense. There are people every day dying and going to a Christless grave and an eternal hell because they have stumped their toe and cursed the living stone. But what they curse, you and I find, according to verse number 7, this precious value. <laughs> he is precious to us. Man, we sing about Him. We preach about Him. We talk about Him. Oh, there's something about the name Jesus. What they have stumbled on, we have found as precious. Alright, i got to move on. Number three. Let's move on to the third point. What glues us together? We are priests in the same temple. Priests in the same temple. Well, that's verse 5 and verse 9. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 again, You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now look down at verse 9. Verse number 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. What's the job of a priest? They have lots of jobs. But the main job is that they intercede. They are the go-between between a sinful man and a holy God. You and I know today that Christ is our high priest. And He is our mediator. But we also need to realize this. We also are a living priesthood as believers. There are times that I need Kirby up there to stand in the gap for me. I need him to pray for me. There are times that others of us, we need the priesthood of believers to pray and to intercede and to storm the gates of heaven for you and I. Man, it's, it's an encouraging thing when someone comes up and lays their hand on you and says, at 9 o'clock this morning, in my car, I prayed for you. Or at 9 o'clock this morning, at my breakfast table, I prayed for you. Man, what a, what a tremendous blessing that is. We are to offer sacrifices. Now, I've got about five listed here. We're to sacrifice our bodies to the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're to sacrifice our praise to God. Hebrews thirteen 15. We're to sacrifice good works to God. Hebrews 13, 16. We're to sacrifice our money to God. Malachi. And also in in Philippians 4, 10 through 20. And then, people ought to win others to Christ. That's a type of sacrifice. And that's Romans 15, verse 16. Today, Israel has no temple. And they have no priesthood. But, but, you and I are the living temple of God. And we are His priesthood. Man, I'm, I'm His temple. He lives in my life. And my life ought to be a temple dedicated to God. And I ought to be a holy priest before God praying and interceding for one another. Alright, fourth and last today. The glue that holds us together. We are citizens of the same nation." Have you ever thought about this? That God God really doesn't have a favored nation except for Israel. But God does have a favored people. The description of the church, I want to read here verse 9 and 10. We read 9 a while ago. Let's read verse 10. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see what Peter calls us in verse 10? The people of God. The people of God. We are a chosen generation, we are a holy nation. We are the people of God. I don't know what God's going to do with America. I'm more concerned with what God's going to do to the church. I don't know who's going to be in the White House. I'm more concerned about the church house. I don't know what the world's coming to, but I know who's coming to the world. That's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. One day, I'm not going to stand before Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, but I'm going to stand before the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. What glues me to the people of God at First Baptist Church? We're in the same family, part of the same building, serve in the same temple, these bodies, and belong to the same nation. Years ago, I heard a wonderful story, and I'll close with this. During the Civil War, it might have been Shiloh, it could have been Manassas, it could have been what the Union calls Bull Run, but on both sides of a river Union troops on one side, the gray and blue, the Confederates on the other side. And they both had their bands there. On the Confederate side, guess what they were playing? Dixie. <laughs> On the Union side, they were playing the battle hymn of the Republic. And finally, when the band stopped, somebody got up and began singing. Home sweet home. There's no place like home. And then both the band started playing the song, There's no place like home. The fighting stopped. The conflict for a moment ended. Because both the confederate and the union side got their mind on home. Sometimes the pastor of a church just needs to shake the flock and say, don't you realize what really keeps us unified is that we're going home one day. And it's not your way, it's not my way, it's God's way. And the way of the cross leads home. Let's pray. Father, thank You today for the precious Word of God. Lord, we are glued together. Lord, I thank You today for Simon Peter. May we live as a royal priesthood offering up sacrifices to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Y'all have a great day.